A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin, Jordan Jarrett-Bryan of Channel 4 News, and Dominic Fifield of The Athletic. I don't know about you, but it seems to have been a long, long year. Here's what 2021 meant to us, in a football sense at least. Club of the year? I'll kick things off by making a quick case for Chelsea. Emma Hayes is one of the most intriguing coaches in the modern game. Her women's team won a treble and reached the Champions League final. The club's social awareness campaign around anti-Semitism was admirable. And Thomas Tuchel built on foundations laid by Frank Lampard. Now, I know that's a club you're close to, Dom. What about you? Who's your club of the year? Well, in terms of silverware, I think you're, you're, I agree with you on, on Chelsea. I think they they have had a, a tremendous year. I mean, it shouldn't be tainted by the way things have maybe tailed off for both teams in the last few weeks with COVID playing its part in that. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Tuchel effect in terms of, of claiming the Champions League was remarkable. Emma Hayes' excellence over a prolonged period of time as, as manager of the women's team well, I mean, her quality is obvious and uh, you only have to spend five minutes in her company. And she is the most engaging talker on football that you'll, you can ever hope to meet. Fantastic insight. I was lucky enough to do a column with her during the Euros, which she, which she explained to me why Gareth Southgate was playing two defensive midfielders when the whole of the nation seemed to be up in arms. And quite frankly, I came away from that meeting thinking that the nation was mad and that she was talking sense. And <laughs> she she was. But staying vaguely local in sort of southwest London way, or South London way, I'd like to just put the case for Sutton United, if possible, mm-hmm. as a club of the year, just because they're in unprecedented territory now, uncharted territory. Matt Gray took over a team that were sort of lower mid-table in, in the National League, Earlier in the year and and got this sorry earlier this year got them promoted to the football league for the first time in their 123 year history. Not only has he done that, but they're currently third in League Two, which I think even they're pinching themselves at how well it's gone to date. So they've had a few issues. Gander Green Lane has had the the pitch. It was a, it was a real community hub with a 3G pitch. The whole everybody used to come down there, use it all weather obviously. 
and they had to rip that up to be a football league club and put grass pitch down. But um, just the progress that, that club has made has been eye-catching and to now be competing to get into League One is quite remarkable. A rising force in, in South London football. Hmm. What about you, Jordan? I've gone for two two sides, one men, one women. The men's, I've gone for Man City. I know it's a bit of a boring, bit of an obvious one there. But I think that the consistency across the calendar year from them has been phenomenal. Yes, you know, again, people would say, you know, they've got the money to do it. They've got all the resources to do it. But I think the way they won the Premier League last year without a forward and, and this year to kind of prove people wrong that it can be done again, it's looking like... I think is an example of Pep Guardiola once again changing the game. I think he's once again got his paws on on really identifying um, a new way of playing football, which I think people will copy. I think you, you will start seeing more teams in the next couple of years attempting this. And, and I think it'll be across the leagues, across, across the divisions, across Europe as well. I think more teams will be doing this as well. So I think that he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, the, the the goals they're scoring. I know people say they're boring because they're a possession-based team. I don't find them boring at all. The development of the likes of Phil Foden, there's so many other players, you know, coming coming through the ranks as well. The evolution of Cancelo, the, re, the, the reinvigorating of Bernardo Silva. Not been a great calendar year club level for Raheem Sterling, but we're seeing him creep into some form as well. I just think they're a phenomenal outfit. I think they will be defined at some point, whether they're in the Champions League or not. But I think as a calendar year, they're the team that I looked at and think they've been the most consistent team in in the country for sure. In the women's game, I won't pretend to be an expert on women's football, but I do cover it a little bit. And I would just echo Chelsea would probably be, you know, my my pick in the women's game as well for for the accolades and awards they've won. They had a few years where they were out of the the limelight and other teams, Man City's were were dominating, but their return to the the top of women's game, I think is something that deserves a lot of credit as well. Mm. What about manager of the year? I'll I'll pick actually Thomas Frank at Brentford. He's overcome the hurdle of gigging out the championship. He's embraced innovation, which is what that club's all about. You know, probably because of necessity. He's adapted quickly to the Premier League, but I think also he really understands the importance of football as a community asset. You know, some of those photographs with him you know, talking animatedly with kids in the crowd were fantastic. I I love him. And I, I suspect also he's a pretty good night out as well. I think he'd probably, probably a good laugh. Um, <laughs> what, what about you, um, Jordan? What, let you go first on, on your manager of the year. I've gone for David Moyes. I think David Moyes, for, for a calendar year, deserves a lot of credit. I, I've bashed David Moyes so much over the years. I've really <laughs> batted him. Um, you know, his time United, we know, didn't go very well. Arguably, didn't get, you know, a fair enough crack at the whip to kind of turn that around. Sunderland, I mean, we're seeing where Sunderland are, so maybe he was, you know, just one. he wasn't the problem there, to, to, to be fair. Didn't go well in Spain. But and his first time at West Ham, I thought, was under an underrated period as well. But I think what he's done at, at West Ham, I think deserves huge credit. He would be my my pick manager of the year this year. I love the fact that he seems to have invested and dipped into lower leagues to, to form the basis of of the of West Ham's current success. Uh, over, over a Premier League year, I don't think he'll win manager of the year because I, I, I don't, I think he has to either win something or finish fourth. 
to, to, to really win that. But over a calendar year, where West Ham, what they did last year, and to still be in, in amongst the conversation for top four and the bare minimum European football, I think he's definitely turned his persona around as a bit of a loser to someone that actually is a, is a solid and very good Premier League manager. Hmm. Do you agree with that, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Moisey was on, on, on the list that, that I'd compiled as well. Remarkable achievement. He's got. He's gone back to, yeah, sort of the the Everton that I remember actually covering them at the time way back in the day. He's 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 got trust in his players. I think I think they, I think for them to do that with re- reliant upon effectively one number nine in Michael Antonio is fairly remarkable, particularly given his hamstrings, you know, have the propensity to ping, so. It would be nice if, if if he got a bit of assistance to sort of maintain momentum going into the new year. Maybe maybe in, uh, some additions in in January, if possible, so that they can pursue European qualification again. But look, he's he's been brilliant with what what he's achieved and the way that they've attacked the Europa League with such gusto and, and in stark contrast to some of the other English clubs involved in that competition. It's been great to see. The other one I wanted to mention was Mark Robbins at, at, at Coventry City. A club which has gone home this season, back to what used to be the Rico Arena. It's got a new name now, which escapes me. But a, a club with one of the smaller, smallest budgets in the uh, in the Championship, and yet a, a team that have managed to, up to now, maintain a playoff position, having survived last season, to to, to be up there competing for promotion this time round, which I, I, it's, it's it's a staggering achievement and one that deserves. He deserves great credit for for uniting the club and for keeping it going and keeping a very tight staff there, but also for his his coaching staff as well who have who have proved to be excellent and it says a lot when when elite clubs like Chelsea are willing to lend very very promising young teenage players like Ian Martin to to Coventry because they trust the coaching that they're going to get there, albeit a a, a coach coaching staff that that has experience of working within the Chelsea system in the in the in the academy but it's 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 very much a a club on the up again which is great to see after years and years and years and years in the doldrums yeah player of the year don't know about you Jordan I just can't see it beyond Mo Salah you know consistency drive and maybe one thing that we we probably struggle to understand in this country is that he's also a global icon, isn't he? He, he is. Um, I think he is the kind of, it's, it's difficult to look past Mohamed Salah. I've been to the African continent four times in the last three years. I've just got back from Senegal and you're right, there's there's posters of him everywhere. He, he, he is a god out there. He's also, I, I mean, Liverpool are a team that, if you're of a certain age, you, you know, you you will have remembered the glory years in Liverpool in the 70s and 80s, and maybe that has something to do with this. But there, there, there's also a lot of supporters on the African continent of Liverpool, and I think that's largely down to Mane as well, and I was in Senegal, Mane as well, but I think Salah, I think he's really captured the, the, the young people's imagination and excitement. And there's people that I know out there that support Liverpool purely because of Salah. So, yeah, you're right. He is a global icon and the numbers are phenomenal. And something that I kind of heard for the first time from a friend of mine about six weeks ago was that he now is in the conversation on par with Thierry Henry in terms of his impact on the Premier League. 
His numbers are crazy. He, you know, positionally, he's not too dissimilar to where, where Thierry Henry played. And I never thought I would compare another player to Thierry Henry in the Premier League era. I think, and I'm, I'm the biggest Arsenal fan, you're me, I think it's fair now to say that Salah is on par with, with Thierry Henry. Um, okay, a Premier League or two short of, of it in, in, terms of, in terms of titles, but numbers, impact on games, skill level, athleticism. He could go if he signs his contract for another three or four years in the Premier League. I, I, I think he's in that conversation. So Salah, I think, is the, is the smart pick. My other pick was Rhys James. I'm a really big fan of Rhys James. I think he's had a really good year for club and country. And, and I want to give him an honourable shout-out. And I, I think that his development has really impressed me. And I'm really keen to see that battle for the right back spot come the World Cup this time next year. Mm. Any others spring to mind, Dom? Well, I'll mention Ruben Diaz, who was outstanding last season, has maintained his standards this, this time around in a, in a City team who've shipped only nine goals in the league to date in 18 fixtures, which is fairly remarkable. I've loved watching Kevin De Bruyne. I'm, admittedly, he was out for a while, but he's, you know, when he's on fire, when he's on form, he's he's just mesmeric to watch. But yeah, I mean, Mo Salah definitely would 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 be up there in terms of in terms of what he's what he's achieved and 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 the sheer number of goals, the sheer weight of goals is 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 frightening. And um, Reese James, you've you've stolen my thunder, Jordan, because he was down as my young player of the year. <laughs> Sorry. <about> that, <laughs> well, talking of young players of the year, you know, again, Jude Bellingham's a pretty obvious choice. Generational talent. He's dealt with expectations since he was a dot. There was a story about him from the uh, the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Award, which, frankly, you know, I can I can leave quite happily. I think it's an overblown piece of nonsense. But he went round at the end and thanked the guests, the staff, the caterers for their support and you know wished them well. And I think, well, that's that's a sign of a very grounded young man. So a footballer, certainly, Stella as an individual impressive any other young players catch your eye Jordan I went with uh, Saka um, I don't know if age wise I think he still qualifies as a, as a young player I just think that he had a phenomenal last year at Arsenal phenomenal maybe strong I think he had a brilliant year with Arsenal breaking into the England team to come back from the disappointment of missing the penalty at the Euros I, I, I didn't have any 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 issue that he would have a, he would come back stronger this year with Arsenal. I didn't have any concerns about that, and he has, he, he, you know, in some ways he's leading that Arsenal team this season. So he was he was my pick. Everyone loves Bukayo Saka. Everyone loves him. You know, what I mean, he's proving on the pitch as well that he is worthy of starting for a, for a club the size of Arsenal. So he 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 was my pick. Okay, if uh, we're saying that Rhys James is your choice, Dom, let's go on to almost like the local hero award. Every club has one. Whose would you be looking at with that one? I'm not sure whether he counts as a local hero because he's not from the area, but I I, I just, I, I thought Graham Potter down at Brighton, you could throw in Billy Reid and, and Bruno as well. Bruno is a local hero, even though he's from Spain. Just for, for sleeping, they they went and slept rough in, in, in Brighton City Centre to try and highlight the the plight of the... Of the homeless, they, they they teamed up with a charity down there, and and they admitted they had the the easy version of it, as opposed to what some people have to go through on a on a nightly basis. But but um, it did, you know, put eyes on the issue. It's a big problem in Brian. It's a big problem in 
in most major cities in this country, to be honest, but it's, it's noticeable when you go to Brighton. And I thought that was a, that was a great thing for him to do, and it just sort of summed up the man really. I, I, so much time for Grandpa, and that's coming from a Palace fan. Um, <laughs> it's uh, that that was a great gesture, and and showed that he was he he really he was really I don't know lined up with the with the city that he was living in and and the, the football club that he was working working for, and and sort of summed up the man. I thought. Yeah, because that's the the thing that strikes me is that football is such an important social platform. That's why I've chosen Ben Mee because okay, he's the embodiment of Burnley's resolve and consistency in recent seasons, but he's played a really important social role promoting understanding of of premature birth. His daughter Olivia weighed only one pound when she was born at twenty four weeks. So again his impact goes beyond football. Anyone else that you would like to choose on that uh, score, Jordan? Uh, just a couple quick ones. Um, I think Nuno Espirito Santos, when he was at Wolves, I think that was really plugged into the local community in, in, in that town. I think he deserves a shout out. I know that he's obviously moved on since. But my pick was someone that actually isn't a player or manager, but someone that I know we all know. I want to give, I want to throw in Leon Mann, who runs mm. the uh, BCOMs, uh, the collective to try and diversify the, the football or sports media industry. I just think he's done some great work this year in bringing through some young, talented journalists, producers, content creators. He's very plugged in with many players as well. And he he's, he's just done some really good work to ensure that the next generation of people who are writing and talking about the sport that we love reflects the sport that we all were all watching. So he was he was my pick for for local hero because he's local to me. I mean he's North London, I'm South London, so there's a bit of a <laughs> there. But he's London, do you know what I mean? So um he's um he's he's someone that I wanted to, to give a shout out on this one. Leon Man. Shouting out to a Spurs fan. That's remarkable. He is a Spurs fan, so you know what? Actually I'll take it back. Actually scrap that. <laughs> scrap, scrap, scrap Leon Man. You're, you're right, Dom. Forget that. Um all that good work he's done has just been undone by the reminder that supports the rivals. Yeah, I think of someone else later on. Well, isn't isn't Spurs the sort of you know it's the it's the capital of compassion, isn't it? Because okay, you think about you know the other person that I thought of for this award was Gary Mabbott. Now he's made nearly five thousand supportive telephone calls to elderly Spurs fans this year. That's amazing. I think it's fantastic. Anyway, on to games. Football, uh, you know, football does get in the way of our social compassion, doesn't it, chaps? Game of the year. I'm going to go for Watford four. Manchester United too, simply because that was the game that proved Manchester United could no longer afford to indulge the fantasy of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being a, a leading manager. What about you, Dom? <laughs> yeah, slightly. I mean, I've, I've limited to the games that I actually attended, and I, I, this doesn't sound remarkable on paper, but Brent, Brentford nil, Chelsea one was a real eye opener for me. It was my first game at the Brentford. Stadium, New Brentford Stadium, and there were there were various highlights, and there was a you know Chelsea Chelsea won the game. Um, it was it was an interesting game to cover, but the, but the the atmosphere and the, the the bombardment that Brentford mustered in the last twenty three minutes of that match, seventeen minutes of normal time plus stoppage time, was remarkable. Absolutely, for a promoted team against. Albeit, uh, uh, you know, they were, I think they were league leaders, but they were they had a bit of a makeshift defence that day, Chelsea. But so, so just seeing Brentford absolutely tearing into into Chelsea was was incredible. 
But then Edward M- M- Mendy's performance to keep them out was even more staggering. I mean, absolutely remarkable some of the saves that he came up with that day, which 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 took the breath away. So that that occasion was probably the for covering a match was the best I've I've seen in 2021. However, I would say a personal highlight for me, and this 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 relates back to football behind closed doors, and I know we're all braced and praying that it doesn't happen again, but but how soulless it all was. But the first game that I took my my boy to with fans back in the stadium, a a nondescript home draw with Newcastle, Crystal Palace won, Newcastle won. No, nothing remarkable to watch. But seeing the sort of delight on his face to see, to be back in a football stadium with noise. I mean, he's a, he's a Palace fan, but he absolutely thrilled at seeing Callum Wilson scoring an overhead kick. And he's been practicing it in the house and the garden ever since much to the annoyance of everybody else who lives there. Um, (laughs) But it's just to, just to remind, just to be able to take him to a game and, and, and see that experience that again was just so, so special. And, and I, genuinely appreciated it and I probably appreciated it for the first time properly for a while I think it was his first game in something like 18 months and yeah it was it was great I'm just hoping that I'm hoping and praying that there'll be more opportunities to do that in the the near future yeah I think we'd all benefit from seeing the game through the eyes of of young men and women Jordan your game of the year three quickies one the Liverpool Liverpool Man City game was 2-2 at Anfield earlier this year, I just thought in terms of quality, Man City were the better team, but in terms of the quality of football on display, that game, that game was just such such high quality. I loved it. Second one, I'm going to go for England beating Germany at the Euros. Not because of the quality of the game, but that for me felt like the, the, the first win where I think the most of the countries are thinking, aye, aye. England, England, this could... I know there was the argument that, OK, this is the, the weakest German side of all time, which I didn't agree with at all. Um, it wasn't the best German side, but it was still a very good Germany team. And I thought that was the first time the country started to feel, hang on a minute, something, something's happening here. We, we, we could do this. So that was a very, very, um, I think, a, a pertinent game of football that I, I remember being at and watching. And the, the third one, for the similar reasons that Dom had given, it was Arsenal beating Spurs. I mean, obvious reasons as an Arsenal fan <laughs> this season. It was the first game that we had fans, first North London derby, sorry, where we had fans back in the ground. And despite beating, smashing Spurs and playing phenomenally well, as we did that day, they were awful. It was the first time that it felt like fans were back in the ground. It was so loud. It was so loud. It, it was vociferous. It was the Spurs fans were chucking it. The banter was great back and forward. The colour was great. It was a beautiful day. It, it was, I, I, I liked Dom. I struggled. I mean, we all struggled, but I really struggled with no fans in the ground to the point where I swerved some games. I shouldn't say that, but I, I just couldn't watch football games without fans. I think with no atmosphere, a football game is a different sport almost. It's, it's, it's so bad. So seeing the fans back in, a North London derby that we smashed them to pieces. That was a really um, poignant game that I remember thinking, yeah, football's back. It's back. We're beating Spurs again at home and the fans are there to tell them about it. Bring it on. Yeah. Well, you can't have winners in football without having losers. And now I'm going to get battered for this, I'm sure, on social media. But my flop of the year, Jose Mourinho. Frankly, he's no longer a leading manager He's just an irritating voice in the distance. 
Do you agree, Dom? <laughs> it's awful, boss. Well, well, if if distance means he's in Italy, therefore we don't really have to talk about him at the moment. I, I look, I I I actually always enjoyed covering Jose Mourinho's teams, even dabbled a bit when he was at covered, covering Spurs. I always found him fascinating. Not you know, I'm not saying that I agree with everything he said or his tactics, but I in press conferences and on the pitch, but but I. I found him entertaining and and yeah and, and engaging to to watch. So I haven't really enjoyed seeing how it's all sort of faded for him. But you know he'll always there'll always be a club out there that's that's that will cling to his his previous achievements and um, he'll find employment wherever he goes. I'm sure in in future, but probably not in the Premier League again. It, 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 I, I found this this category quite brutal. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's a pretty angry category. This flop of the year, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> it's my favorite I mean, one. There, there, <laughs> I mean, you could. I, I toyed whether you should put Everton's ownership in there, given the way things have gone over the last few years, but in the in, in the last few months in particular. I know you've you already bigged him up once on this on this podcast, Jordan. But I wonder whether Nuno Espirito Santo also gets a mention for how. And he could put Spurs' board actually in there as well, to be honest, because that wasn't ever going to work as a fit in the summer. But but maintaining the Tottenham theme, and this isn't going to be this should not become a Tottenham bashing podcast at all. But I love it. But <laughs> Tottenham's Europa Conference League campaign, which they're now out of after UEFA awarded Ren the the game 3-0, was an embarrassment. I mean, okay, fair enough. They probably didn't want to to be involved in the first place. but That's how they spin it, on. That's how they'll Yeah, that is how they <laughs> But, I mean, lo- losing to, to Mura? L- losing to Vitesse Arnhem? Convincingly, <laughs> convincingly as well <laughs> the thing is I support a football t- club that if they qualified for the Europa Conference League would probably want a national holiday every time we competed <laughs> it's like we would take thousands to these places but 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 you know ah, never mind there you go yeah Dominic Fifield, folks, is a very nice man. Okay, I want to get that on the record. Uh, Jordan, uh, I saw you rubbing your hands with glee. <laughs> Why? There was one. I mean, I am a human, so I didn't want to have him as my main one. But I do think that Aaron Wan-Bissaka has had a shock in twenty twenty one. Okay, United have had a, as a whole team have been poor, but he's really regressed. And I really would like to see Raniuk and whoever the new manager is next season really invest some time in getting him back to where he was at Palace. Because I think there is a player there. I think he's limited in many aspects. I think he could have done with another year. I get why he left, but another year at Palace, I think, might have done him good in hindsight. But he's had a really, really bad year. But my pick, and again, this is not this is not a Spurs bashing pod, but my pick for flop of the year. Slight slight caveat there. But but my pick um, is Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane's had a really poor 2021 for club and country. I know that England got to the final, but the final for me was the moment where I was just looking for Harry Kane to really find a way to drag England over the line. All right, you can talk about the tactics didn't help the team, maybe. Italy are are no mugs. But I just think, 
I, I was just I just thought we had a meh okay Euros at a time when England were really really flying this season I mean yesterday he got his first home goal for Tottenham all right the saga you could argue is has distracted him but at some point you've got to get over it and be a professional and, and get back to doing your job so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Harry Kane I think he's had a poor 2021 okay second half of last year with Spurs and I say okay but um, overall, I, I think he's probably been the biggest disappointment for me. OK, what about the best signing? You know, we, we do place, place great store by recruitment in the game. You know, I, I think Wolves stole the left-back, Rayan Aitnouri from, from Angers for £10 million. You know, The biggest clubs are already forming a, a pretty disorderly queue outside Molyneux. Who's caught your eye, Dom? Well... I'm quite intrigued that you've chosen the Jorge Mendes player as a as the best signing of the year at, at, <laughs> at, for Wolverhampton Wanderers as well. Well, that's novel, isn't it? <laughs> Not least because he's already been spent a year on loan at the club. Okay, made it permanent this summer. He's a player though, isn't he? He's very, very good. Yeah, a lot of clubs looked at him before. He's he's lightning quick. Got a lot to, still to learn, obviously, but um, the potential is is huge. I'm going to be biased. I'm going to be completely biased and, and brazen about this. Conor Gallagher on loan for Crystal Palace is an absolute steal. He's been perfect for what Patrick Vieira wants from from him from he, from this team. He he was he's a vital ingredient to make the team click. And I'm not saying that Palace are pulling up trees. Then they're, they're not. They've only won four games going into Boxing Day. But given the level of upheaval at the club over the summer. It needed somebody to knit it all together. And Conor Gallagher's been that man because he's been the dynamism in the midfield. And uh, to get him on loan from Chelsea when you see their toils in midfield of late, well, steal. Mm. Jordan? Mine's not a player. Um, I mentioned him earlier on, actually. I think the signing of the, of the, of the year is Steven Gerrard for Villa. I think they've got themselves a really good manager there that, as I said earlier on, I think that he will go on to be... I think he'll have a good couple of years there. I think this is a really good te- two-year test for him leading up to Liverpool. Because I think the talk about him going to Liverpool, he's got to prove himself in the Premier League first. For all the nostalgia and all the love that Liverpool had for him, this is still a business. He's still got to prove himself. And Jurgen Klopp is not going to be an easy act to follow. So as much as Liverpool, I think, would love the idea of Steven Gerrard coming home and you know winning three Premier Leagues back-to-back and a Champions League win, much they would love that story, they've still got to be confident that he's good enough to to take the club forward from Jurgen Klopp. And I think that Aston Villa is a big enough club if he can win a trophy there and get them into Europe two years in a row I think that, and play a brand of football. I think those could be the three the three ticks that Liverpool will be looking for. You know, how, how, how high do Villa finish? Can he lift the trophy? And can they have a style of play that is exciting? Those would be the three things I think Liverpool will be, will be looking at. So I think Villa have got themselves a really good manager there in, in Stephen Gerrard. So I would say he he's the um, the signing of, of, of the year. Yeah, what about the most disappointing uh, signing? I think this has got some relevance for you, Jordan. For me, it's Arsenal's double cheeseburger. <laughs> £18 and five pence. Well, one, why five pence? What's all that about? But secondly, that is uh, the game's gone, isn't it's it? It's a shocker. I mean, that that that's 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 embarrassing and unforgivable. But aren't the pints at Spurs 
Isn't it like? Isn't it like <laughs> I knew you'd have to get a Spurs job in. Oh yeah, yeah, come on. They <laughs> stick on brand. Um, I'm sure their price are like nine quid or something, or eight quid. I, I could be wrong there, but I heard some ridiculous price for their price. But no, no, no. Stick on Arsenal. It, 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 it is ridiculous. I mean, if you're paying that, then you've either got more money than sense, or you're just very, very hungry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that that is embarrassing. My 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 disappointing signing is. Um, I, I couldn't find an, an obvious one here. So I kind of went for, I think, a bit of an open goal. I'm going to go for Lukaku. And I, and I accept he's had injuries and he's been in and out of the team. But for £100 million, I just feel when you are fit, you need to be back in that team and scoring goals. And for them to not still be starting him in times when he has been fit, I think says quite a lot. I think that the Chelsea, without analysing him too much, are using him wrong. I think they are they're playing him as a target man as United did. And I don't think despite his size and stature, he's a very good target man. I think he likes to get involved in play a lot more, as we saw at, at Inter Milan. But but nevertheless, he's a hundred million pound player and he's not he's, he's he's not he's not done it. And he came back with a lot of big talk about wanting to right a lot of wrongs, prove people wrong. And yeah, so far, um he was seen as a cherry on the top to win the Premier League, but so far, um, no, it's it's not gone very well at all. He started pretty well, but then fell away pretty badly. Dom? Well, I'm going to maintain the Chelsea theme. But I've got a bit of sympathy for Lukaku, by the way. But San Niguez on loan from Atletico Madrid. Not so much... Look, you can accept that a player's going to take an adaptation time. And I can only assume that if you take a player like San Niguez from from Atletico for a season that you intend to sign him permanently at the end of that, like Chelsea did with Matteo Kovacic from Real Madrid. But the fact that he's the, the fact that he's at Chelsea now and he's not even trusted when fully fit to be in the starting lineup when they've got so many issues at the moment and talking about the game at Wolves at the weekend. And they, they, they prefer to play a semi fit N'Golo Conte with one training session behind him and Trevor Chaloba with two training sessions behind him as a makeshift defensive midfielder ahead of Sam Maguire's from the start. OK, he came on at half-time, did OK. But that that was the option. To think that, that, that Chelsea loaned out Billy Gilmore and Conor Gallagher, for that matter, and took Sam Maguire's on loan from Atletico, it's, it just defies belief. It doesn't make any sense. Look, I had a, I had a, I had a bit of a problem when, when I thought that Mateo Kovacic, his loan from Real Madrid was going to stunt opportunities for Ruben Loftus Cheek in the Chelsea team, and I was proved completely wrong because Mateo Kovacic has has subsequently flourished since he joined permanently, and maybe that will be the case with with Saul as well, but at the moment he's been used as a central midfielder, as a left wing back as a false number nine. And he really hasn't convinced anywhere. He doesn't look as if he's ready, certainly not ready for English football. He doesn't look as if he's made for English football either. People swarm all over him and and just knock him off the ball. And I'm sorry, but in this this case, would it not have made more sense to have kept Billy Gilmore because he's someone they have had faith in in the past, the recent past, and has shown that he can do it at international level as well as with Chelsea when called upon. I just wonder whether they've they dropped the ball on that one. We mentioned on the previous pod that it'd be difficult. We don't think many clubs will be letting players go in this window. I wonder if he's the one that actually Chelsea will be like, this is this has gone really badly wrong and send him back 
it, it wouldn't surprise me if if they did send him back. I I don't know whether they have that option, but but yeah yeah we'll see. It'd be very 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 interesting. Okay, quick fire round, please, chaps. Literally, just the club names. Your winners are the Champions League, Premier League, and the FA Cup. I'll go with Liverpool, Manchester City, and Spurs. What about you, Jordan? Manchester United, Manchester City, and Spurs. Manchester what? United winning Spurs the Champions League. <laughs> What's going on? Everybody's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, put us right then, Dom. No, I can't. Uh, Bayern Munich, Manchester City and Chelsea. There you go. Okay, final point. Brazen attempt to get back into Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> Good books that was, deary me. Was that a bit obvious, Dom? <laughs> well, the, the New Year's a traditional time for for being generous in terms of spirit. So I I applaud you, uh, Mr. Jarrett Bryan. I thought that was very good. Um, I suppose that sets up the the last question quite quite neatly. Most fervent hope for the new year. Yeah, mine is you know, quite idealistic, and it probably won't happen. But I would love to see parachute payments scrapped and a transfer tax introduced. I'm not holding my breath, but that's what should happen. Dom, mine is completely unrealistic as well. Unfortunately, I just I I, I just want to see us get through the next period. With with supporters still in stadia, I I, I want to see I, I I the thought of football behind closed doors is, just sends a chill down my spine to be honest. But I, I fear it won't be the case. I fear the way things are going that, that that it may be the only way we can get through the season, given the the the, the rush of Omnicon cases. But desperately sad if that is the case. But I I just love it if if we could somehow might find a way of. Muddling through with with fans still in the in stadia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, I thought about this one and I, I had a list of ideas and I thought I knew that you two would come up with the intelligent and sensible suggestions. <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> oh, I what well, act out of character, in other words, yeah. <laughs> no, I thought I'd stick on brand and come up with something a little bit silly and light. My big hope for twenty twenty two is the return of pre prepared goal celebrations. I'm really, really missing. <laughs> characters and personalities scoring goals and having a bit of fun with it and I think VAR has, has had a big role in that as well but I would the Declan Rices and the Jesse Lingards and the Paul Pogbers and the Antonios after they score goals I really miss a good old-fashioned you know really good goal celebration I, I hate Ronaldo's one Harry Kane's one's boring but I just I, I just I miss it so I'm really hoping for the return of pre-planned goal celebrations that's my big one for 2022. I never had you down as a man for the robot, I must admit. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OK, just to, to end on a, a relatively sensible note, look, the Crouch review wasn't perfect, was it? But it, it did strike the right chord. We need to protect the pyramid and pay more than lip service to the loyalty of supporters. You know, as Dom hinted there, they're the ones who matter. And it's not just a campaign slogan, it's something that the game should take to heart. Now, thanks to Jordan and Dom for their insight. Thank you for listening to the Football Writers Podcast. And here's to a safe and successful new year. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.